I read the script a couple years ago, um, and I became obsessed with it. And I met with John Patton Ford, the writer-director. Um, he agreed to allow me to produce the film, and I wanted to play the character of Emily. I loved, I loved this character so much, and I just loved the potential of the entire project. It's been a couple years in the making now, but I think we've, we've done exactly what we set out to do. Welcome back to a brand new episode of Not A Bomb Podcast. This is the podcast where we go back and examine films that bombed theatrically or didn't fare too well with critics. Brad, we are uh, discussing movies that bombed in 2022. This is my second pick for the month. And uh, I feel like I feel like I'm going out strong this year on this one. Yeah, I, I would agree. Both your picks were very uh, actor driven. Yes. So what, what was your pick, Troy? Well, my pick for this week is an underseen, a criminally underseen. See what I did there? Mm-hmm. Criminally underseen film from this year, starring probably one of my favorite actresses. But we're going to talk about 2022's Emily the Criminal. Uh, first time watch for you, Brad? Yes. Yes. Okay. We have been talking about doing this one for a little bit, so I just held off and... Uh, then noticed it was on Netflix. I didn't watch it on Netflix. I, I bought it, but um, it's on Netflix right now. So. Yes, it, it was one that our good friend Randy, I think, had saw, uh, had seen in the theaters and recommended it to us right out of the gate. Uh, and I, I kind of thought it was going to do really well, but we'll get into that. Uh, we thought we would have another guest. He, he was just on the show talking. Uh, well, we had a lot of fun talking about Morbius last week, but we're we're. We're just excited to have Korean Cool himself back, Mr. John Nance. How are you, John? Hey, doing well. How about you two? I'm excited, man. I, I, I am too. What, what's the uh, what's the comic book arc of Emily the Criminal? What issue did she come out on and all that stuff? I'm just curious. <laughs> issue number zero. Oh. Issue number zero. Okay. <laughs> hey, before we get into this, so real quick, this this film, I I think it's targeting or its character is coming from a very specific place um, in terms of age, demographics, um, things that are happening to people in 2022. I thought it would be really good to just level set and and maybe talk real quick about our own experiences. And so if anybody's listening um, and they want to see where our take falls on this film, I think our take is going to be influenced by um, even our own personal experiences, because this is a movie, uh, really the synopsis is uh, a millennial who uh, has a prior criminal record and can't get a job, is struggling with a ton of student loan debt because she went to art school but didn't finish, and ends up... Um, did I commit credit card fraud, Troy? Is that what you want to know? Yes, I did. No, okay. Yeah, well, she, she ends up uh, with an offer... Uh, that gets her deeper and deeper into credit card fraud. And I thought it'd be really interesting just so everybody can kind of know where our take is on this, um, where we stand 
in terms of, of are you a Gen X? Are you millennial? I think I think I know where we land, right? So Brad, you would be technically classified as a millennial, correct? I am a millennial. Yes, I am. Okay. And John, you you are a Gen X like me, right? I like no. my avocado toast and my five dollar coffees, Troy. <laughs> I know you do. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, uh, so you said Gen X? No, I am Korean. Oh, sorry. <laughs> do, yes. So do Koreans? Um, do they do they follow the same? <laughs> Or is it different? <laughs> it's different. It's different? Oh, okay. <laughs> it's like, are you like the dragon generation or whatever? Hey, who told you that? Okay. <laughs> I, I had another quick question. So, Brad, mm. what was it like entering the workforce um, for you? I, I'm just real curious. What was your first job? Uh, I don't know if you got if you were working in high school or what, what did you do? What was your very first job? Uh, I worked at a grocery store in high school for a little bit, but I played uh, a variety of sports in high school. So I only worked a little bit here and there. I, I basically just did it for the experience and get me out of the house because um, my parents were tired of seeing me laying around being lazy. So I did get a job. It was like right across the street from my house at a grocery store. Um, but I, I played baseball and then I played basketball, then I played football. So um, I, I had a very limited time to work. So my first real job wasn't until after college. Okay. So Jeez. you went to college and graduated. <clears throat> I did. And, and what was your first job after college? Um, I did a little bit of uh, banking for quite a oh, bit. Okay. Um, now by I banking, of, do you mean legitimate banking or yes, were you legitimate in a, banking? Okay. Yes, I did, okay. but I yeah. never did. I was never on the sales side. I was always operational, um, always on the either the audit team or your uh, ERM, which is like your okay. enterprise well, risk well, management. Uh, I'm sorry, <laughs> I started to doze <laughs> off there for a second. Yeah, sorry, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. They're all very exciting stuff. Uh, um, John, what about you? What, what, I did. Uh, I oh, did yeah. have a unpaid internship for a little bit too. You did. Was that during college or after? Uh, yeah, yeah. My no, no. between my sophomore and junior year. So I, it was in college. Yeah, yeah. Okay. What about you, John? What, what What was your first job going into the workforce? My very first job, I was um, actually a, a janitor. A <laughs> I wish. Now, I was, your I, was very strong. <laughs> my cleaning. Bitch, better have my money. <laughs> But no, um, yeah, I, my very first job was a, a janitor. Um, actually worked with my mom. Um, she was trying to work two jobs and she needed help at night. So, you know, being Did you Korean, ever have to use that pink stuff on vomit? No, that, oh. this was actually one of those nice office jobs. Just going, oh. I think the worst, the worst part you had to do was um, take cans of compressed air, spray it on the gum. Somebody in these oh, nice offices, you said gum, gum, right? Gum, gum, yeah, okay. gum, um, and, and you know, freeze it and scrape it off the carpet. I don't, I don't understand how they did that, but yeah. Um, then after that, I um, started branching out um, a little entrepreneurship i i started um i i'm actually the one that started the company that tries to reach people um to see if they want to extend their car warranties oh my god i want to throat punch you right now yeah but no it was it was janitor i had several odd jobs um eventually went to college well i was working at a um warehouse uh you know, slinging sofas and mattresses and stuff, you know, um, but I was going to school at night and finished my degree. And then after my degree, uh, landed my first job, um, as a college graduate doing, um, web development work, 
um, as a contractor for one of these big corporations. And then I eventually moved on to that corporation. And here I am now doing a little bit of everything. Okay. My, my first job was at an Italian restaurant and I, I don't mean a chain. I mean a real Italian restaurant. Uh, I, Domino's? No. <laughs> Although that's like Brad's favorite pizza place. It's not my favorite, but yeah. it's up there. <laughs> it was the first time I ever cleaned up blood too in a bar because the owner like beat the crap out of some guy who owned nice. money. So Jimmy, um, Jimmy was out there stopping somebody. It, no, I, I don't know how it went down. It was just like, hey, you gotta go make go this cleanup in the bar. And, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I started out as a dishwasher and eventually made it up to like salad boy and cook prep. Um, and that's where I learned how to cook too because the head chef would get, you know, he'd start drinking. And then by about eight o'clock, you know, at night, he's, he's just three sheets to the wind. And so uh, me and, and Kevin, we had our first jobs together. That, that's where we learned to cook. Went to school, graduated, and my first job outside of college was operations manager for a dental laboratory. Nice. Uh, yeah. So, and that was an experience, man. So, what? I was going to just, did any of you all, did, do any of us have experience with student debt? Yes, I did. Yes. Oh, okay. Very, very I little, though. I mean, I, I had a lot of scholarships. So I came out of college with not a lot of debt. And I did do the thing where you lived with your parents for like a year or two to kind mm -hmm. of save up. Yeah. Um, what about you guys? I did not. I did not have any student debt when I graduated. So people can hate me all they want. Yeah. No, I, was I, spoiled, I was a spoiled <laughs> white, uh, white kid. So, yeah. Yeah, and I went back to school, did the loan thing, um, graduated, um, got my, you know, had student debt, paid that off. Uh, yes, people, you can pay off your damn debts. Um, <laughs> paid that off about two years ago. I mean, it it, it was a sacrifice, but um, it was a sacrifice I had to make, you know, for the betterment of my family. And you know, you know, suck it up, people. Well, we're we're not gonna get preachy here, but it, I am. It's. it's <laughs> fair to say that none of us um in terms of our own personal experience would would be able to look at the film and even the story arc of this film and have identifiable story beats is that is that fair like none of it lines up to our personal no experiences. no my the, the my frame of reference for this movie is very small okay uh, the character would be within plus or minus probably 15 years of me maybe yeah she's probably roughly 25 26 so yeah she's close to my age somewhat <laughs> not as much as more than i would like to i'm outside of her age more than i'd like to be so okay <clears throat> well I, I so it's a little bit uncomfortable but I, I actually related to her in quite a quite a quite a few too many ways actually um so i, I kind of got um an understanding of where she was her character in this story um was it the tight shirts <laughs> is that how you related <laughs> no but that was like you know something happened on my remote it would not come out of pause oh, oh, okay <laughs> no, no that's I good mean, that that that's interesting because I, I, I that this is why i sort of wanted to bring us all together on this one yeah. is it is very topical for 2022 uh but the the character and the origin and what the movie is about I was really curious if anybody had any prior experiences that become relatable, because I'll be the first to say, um, Emily being the central character and everything that she does, 
I've I've had some shady choices myself <laughs> that I've yeah. made, not to the extent of committing like credit card fraud or, but you know, I, I have been um, hanging around with the wrong people at some point in my life. Uh, and unbeknownst to you, or did you know they were unwieldy at the time? Uh, I, I had, I, I had an inkling mm-hmm. just when I, when I was getting into like the kickboxing stuff, teaching martial arts, there, there is a side yes. of that <laughs> where, yeah. you know, some guys are like, Hey, you want to go hurt this guy? And you're like, what? Really? <laughs> but, um, yeah, it's like that part of the town. It's, you know, we got to go hurt somebody. Whose car are we taking? Yeah. Kind of. I mean, not, not the been, extent. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, but it, it's just, it's strange to me where this character starts in the movie and then where she ends up. I was just really curious if there's any of these story beats in terms of first jobs or struggling to get out into the, to the workforce after college, um, what kind of debt you had. I mean, I, to some degree, I think we all, other than Brad, um, might've had some kind of debt, uh, maybe to start out with. Uh, and hell, I remember getting my first credit card and I did not use it wisely. I mean, ran right out. No, no, one, no one did. Genesis, they, I think. They do it. They give you, you know, you sign up for a credit card when you're in college and they give you like a Frisbee and a T-shirt. And they're like, by the way, it's uh, 29% on this. So, you know, good luck with that, dumbass. And then you get the bill and you're like, holy shit, you have to actually pay this thing? Yeah, you learn the hard way, right? Yeah. But th- yeah, that's yeah. interesting, John. I mean, you. so there are there are aspects of the character in terms of the story, and we'll get into it. I'm, you you yeah. just say that you're grounded with some of her experiences then. Oh, yeah. I mean, um, I'll, I'll just, you know, without, and we'll talk about it later, as you said, but, you know, coming coming from a family where, you know, there, there was a lot of struggle, um, you know, and there's just times where, you um, things that you want in your life um you know both both for personal gain or just material gain are sometimes um unobtainable unless you do the creative ah okay got it <laughs> well this will be an interesting conversation so Brad we're talking about a film that i think flew under the radar in 2022 yes, however it did. It stars and is produced by, I think, a major Hollywood player. Because if you go back, and we'll get into this when we look at their filmography, I think Aubrey Plaza just, um, she has her hands on a lot of things, both as director, writer, editor, everything, right? And TV, act- actress, yep, yeah. Yep. But when, you know, let's, let's go back, way back um, this year when this film was released and talk about when Emily the Criminal hit the theaters. Yeah, so Emory the Criminal comes out August 12th, 2022, with a reported budget of $2 million. Its total domestic gross, no international on this one, is $2.156 million. So you're breaking even on production. I'm sure the advertising and all that stuff wasn't huge on this one, but look, these smaller shops, um, this was put out by, who was this put out by? Uh, Vertical Entertainment roadside attractions, which are both under universal. But if you put out something that's 2 million, I mean, at minimum you want to make what six probably is probably like you're, yeah, if you're investing two, you're spending another two to make another two. So yeah, that comes out to about six. So, you know, I, I I don't think it had like the big theatrical push. Um, Mm -mm. And I also think the, the P and a on it isn't high either. No, no, not at all. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> but I, I, so, I'm sure it just it just kind of limped across the finish line more or less. Yeah, yeah. And, and it, this one is probably 
one that might have some legs. I'm sure the deal with Netflix, I'm, I'm sure Netflix gave them some sort of money to stream it for a certain period of time. Um, I know for a little bit on VOD, like Apple, it was, you know, kind of higher on the rental stuff. So, it, you know, it's making money. But, you know, when you invest $2 million, you don't want to make your investment back over a course of a year um, because you could spend that money somewhere else. Yeah. Um, it hurts your cash flow. You're, you're, you're stretching out um, a, a lot of stuff. And especially if you're, you're smaller, not having that constant flow of income can really, you know, stagger your plans for projects and stuff like that. So you have to think, you know, this isn't Disney here. So, you know, if you're spending 2 million on this, you could have spent 2 million on something else. Maybe that makes more money. Then you can spin up some more projects, make more money. It's all kind of compounding after that. But with this, you're kind of waiting for those receipts to come in. And um, so it makes your makes your projects a little bit more stagnant. So anyway, um, like I said, comes out um, August 12th, 2022. It's opening weekend. It makes 669K. So that's 1,000. Um, so just under uh, 670K. Um, that's good enough for drumroll, please. 16th place oh. that weekend. Okay. Um, it gets beat out by Bullet Train, Top Gun Maverick, some movie. I don't know. Uh, still still playing of, in the theater. <laughs> yeah. DC League of Super Pets, Store Love and Thunder, Nope, Minions, Where the Crawdad Sings, Bodies, 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 Elvis. Another movie that we thought we were going to do, uh, Fall. Um, which ended up having some legs. Uh, yeah, having some legs. That's a good example um, that had a very similar budget, but it yeah. actually ran away with some money there. This is crazy to me. Um, in 13th place that week was the 2022 re-release of E.T. the Extraterrestrial. <laughs> Makes more money than this movie. Um, and then it also gets beat out by like Black Phone, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So... Sadly, didn't get the play that I think it uh, deserves. Uh, critically, though, this one sits at a 94% with the critics. Uh, that's wow. with 182 reviews. Um, so pretty pretty high there. Even the audience score is uh, 79%. Um, that's respectable so I, for, a, for a movie like this, too. Very, yeah, for a darker sort of female-led drama, sure. I think that's... Uh, a good score. Um, now, who has a great review of this? Oh, our buddies over at Movie Guide. Dude. They did watch they, it. <laughs> they watched it. I was so happy to see Emily, the criminal, with the subtitle "No Honor Among Thieves." Gentlemen, on a scale of negative four to plus four, where do you think Emily, the criminal, falls? With the Christians. Oh, ooh, I don't know. John, you want to go first? I'm going to go plus one. Plus, plus one? one? <laughs> Are you kidding? Hi. I believe in the power of prayer. I'm going, <laughs> I'm going minus three. Boy, good job, buddy. It I is got a it? minus three. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Oh. Hey, look, there's a pagan worldview right front and center in this one. <laughs> oh, they don't, they don't call it out. But, uh, okay. You okay. know. Okay. Worldview. Uh, content slash elements very strong romantic lawless worldview where a protagonist is saddled with lots of debt and can't get a better job 
but finds a talent and passion for committing credit card fraud and gets away with her crimes. Though the story also shows there's no honor among thieves and the small time crime boss clearly loves his mother. <laughs> <laughs> so that's why he didn't get the negative four yeah, is because of that know, dinner the scene. The guy clearly loves his mother. He loved his mom. So they brought it down. Cause I was going to say negative yeah. four, but I remembered the dinner yeah, scene. He loved his mother. So, yeah. so uh, foul language, 38 obscenities, including more than 21 F words. Yeah. Three Jesus profanities, two GD profanities, and five light profanities such as OMG. <laughs> so wait, OMG is bad, I guess, right? Because yeah. it's oh my god. Okay. Well, All right. yeah. It, well, it's the context, right? If it's like said, yeah. oh my god, like yeah, uh, god. But or, if you just say OMG, yeah, then no, yeah. Uh, yep. I still think that's probably bad. Okay, violence. This one takes you for a little journey. Strong violence includes a man hits young woman and tries to stop her from taking off with a fancy car mm -hmm. that she just paid using stolen credit card number. Mm -hmm. Woman gets a bloody nose and a bruised cheek from this encounter. Man grabs woman and holds a box cutter to her throat to force her to give the combination to her safe full of money to his girlfriend. Quote, we know where you live. He reminds her before they leave with the money. Woman runs outside to grab the other woman. Who's in the passenger seat of the man's car? Are they just writing what happened in the film? Yeah, and then puts out, uh, it pulls her out of the car and throws her to the ground to take back her money and threaten the girl. She pulls her, pulls her out, pulls out her driver's license and says, "I know where you live now." Oh, okay. Two people knock a couple people unconscious to rob a house of stolen money from one of the two people. Oh God! They throw one person into a truck. Three characters fight two against one in a house where the stolen money is one person gets wounded in the head after being hit from behind one would be robber stabs another okay. person, uh, hold, hold after on. The person time attacks the robber with the knife this feels like the first time they've gone into detail over the violence yeah and the first time they've ever written a goddamn sentence oh, okay. uh, the robber then holds a box cutter <laughs> to the woman's throat to find where the money is that was all one sentence <laughs> wow what Actually, wow. that was not a sentence because there's no period. Okay. So that was just all one run on. Right. Um, sex implied fornication at one point after some passionate kissing. Yep. And the unmarried couple is shown waking up together in another scene. Okay. Yeah. True. It's very important that they are unmarried. That's right. Alcohol use. Brief alcohol use in at least three or four scenes. Mm -hmm. Smoking and or drug use mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and abuse. Brief smoking and brief casual cocaine at least at, at use at party and yep. miscellaneous immortality. Title character gets away with crime and there's lying, fraud, and robbery. Okay. <laughs> wow. I feel like I'm on a roll. I, but like, the character did love their mother. Yeah. Hey, I guess the negative three. I'm just happy about that. I've gotten a couple yeah, of these right lately. You're straight on. Um, okay. Films well, you could have seen way back in August of 2022. End of the summer. We have, yes, we have Lightyear, the film that did not turn my son gay, Bullet Train, <laughs> Body Bodies Bodies, My Favorite Girlfriend, Luck, Prey, uh, They Slash Them. Uh, what else we got here? So that, that's a mix uh, of theatrical and streaming options, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, just trying to think fall. Like I said day shift, which was streaming only, um, uh, blah, 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 blah. Anything else I had of note here? Not really. August was kind of lacking. Oh, orphan first kill. I think that was probably Another one streaming. of the bigger ones. Well, no, that played limited played theatrical too. Theatrical. Yeah. yeah. 
Um, Samaritan, not great. Um, the Invitation, I guess that was the horror film for that month. Mm-hmm. And that's probably, yeah, that's about it. Okay. Nothing too great in uh, August of this year, to be perfectly honest with you. Um, latter part of the summer, pretty much done with all the, the big films. Okay. Well, this next section is going to go really quick when we talk about the people <laughs> behind the camera and in front of the camera, uh, because we have a lot of new faces um, and names we haven't ever mentioned before. So let's start about, you know, talking about the people um, behind the camera, starting with director John Patton Ford. So he was also the writer uh, of this film. He's done a short film in 2010 called Patrol, but this is his first major theatrical work. So this is really the only thing he has to his name out there. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, he is the screen. He's credited for the screenplay and also directing. Uh, director of photography, Jeff Bierman. Lots of shorts and music videos and television going all the way back to 2007. And even if you look at his filmography, I don't think anything necessarily stands out theatrically. A lot of independent stuff um, or uh, even documentaries like An Organic We Trust from 2012. Uh, looks like he did you know, two films. Um, Emily the Criminal and First Love both came out this year. We move over to Editor. Uh, again, you're going to see a ton of shorts and television. Um, this year, Harrison's been pretty busy. He's got Emily the Criminal, Good Girl Jane, and The Year Between. Again, these are names that probably from a television or independent film circuit, they're going to show up quite a bit, but nothing from like a big major studio perspective. Well, let's talk about the cast. Here we'll spend a little bit of time. So one of the producers is also the star and it's Miss Aubrey Plaza. She plays Emily. She has 83 acting credits, 10 producing credits with Emily, the criminal being one of those Um, three credits as a writer, three credits as a director. Now, would you say that she came on the scene in terms of prominence or people started noticing her with parks and rec? That was what? 2009 to 2015. Do you think that's where, Oh, yes, for sure. For sure. Okay. Do I'm just going to start with you, John. What's your take on Aubrey Plaza in general? I mean, she's been around for a little bit. I I think she's a major player now in film and television. But um, what's your general impression? Um, I think she's a phenomenal actress um, in the sense of just the varied ranges um, of, of TV uh, film uh, that she's she's brought brought to life um my understanding a little bit into her background was that you know she was kind of she worked at NBC as like an intern or something like that but she also did some stand-up routine um really took notice of her in Parks and Rec because she was just you know April was just her that character was just <laughs> just hilarious um but to see her <clears throat> excuse me popping up in areas like you know Scott Pilgrim um was it dirty grandpa oh my gosh that was that was just some just brutally funny stuff that she put out you know uh, what was it mike and mike and dave need Need wedding dates need wedding dates Mm -hmm. down to surprisingly child's play the remake they just came out you know um i i think she has that movie was way better than had any purpose oh absolutely 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 and you know part of that i i would say was because of aubrey plaza i think she really has an eye for the craft 
Um, and she loves the craft to the point of just her skill set has just branched out from, you know, oh, she's just, you know, the comedian actress. No, she's she's doing so much more now. And especially with Emily, the criminal. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, yeah, your pun uh, earlier, it, it is. It's kind of criminal how this really flew under the radar because she really. I, again, from a personal note, I could relate to a lot of stuff in that movie, and she just she just brought it home um, from again the experiences to the actual lessons. If you really you know deep dive into you know what what some of those parts of the movie are really trying to tell you. Okay, what, what's your take, Brian? Yeah, I I'm a big fan. Um, at first, I I just thought she was a one trick pony with being sort of the funny girl who played like the deadpan part really well. Um, yeah. Like dirty grandpa. She's kind of that character. Mike and Dave need wedding dates. Kind of the same thing as April in a way. So I didn't really take notice until Ingrid goes West and then like child's play black bear. Um, and then I started really, really sort of take notice of what her true talent is. And it's just acting. Um, not just being the funny girl, but really sort of committing to a character and really sort of selling it. Um, Ingrid goes West is really good, but man, black bear is phenomenal. It's so good. Um, so if you haven't seen that, she also is a producer on, on, on that as well. Um, and I think she's choosing films that are definitely not, um, not a typical role for her. And I, I think something that really sort of stretches her as an actor and really shows off her talents. Um, I think people are starting to take notice. Um, she really is taking it to a whole new level. And I think we're going to see her in the new, in the next Francis Ford Coppola film. And I think that might kind of catapult her um, into some different stratosphere. And I think she's going to be in a big movie she's going to be nominated for an Academy award in the next five to 10 years. I'm sure of it. Um, she's going to, she's going to make a run. Like if I, if I was buying stock in actors right now, <laughs> I would buy Aubrey Plaza stock before it went IPO and get on board early. So uh, that, is, that is a great analogy. I mean, if I, if I were betting on the talent out there right now, all my chips would be in Aubrey Plaza 100%. Yeah, yeah. And I know you're not We're, supposed to do that. You're supposed to spread it around and avoid risk and stuff, but I think no. she's that good. Uh, and, and like you guys, I, I never thought she was a one-trick pony, but I always thought that um, deadpan sort of sarcastic humor that she had down to a science was so good and, and just um, so disarming in, in terms of its total charm. And anytime she would show up in a film or a television show or, or anything of that nature – I, I was always kind of interested. Uh, and I, I loved the film that she had done early on, uh, Safety Not Guaranteed mm. from 2012, which is oh, a lot of fun. That's right. Yes. It's a good one. But it, it wasn't until, so 2017, In Ingrid Goes West. When I, when I saw that one, I'm like, what happened? Like Aubrey Plaza was always good. And in that film, she just came out swinging and had these acting chops that uh, you, you knew were there but it felt like she just really got to flex them. Right. And yeah, the, I, I, maybe the moral of the story is if you haven't seen Ingrid goes West, maybe do that too. Like, yeah. yeah. And, and, and then she followed, she's, 
so what's crazy is she does a lot of work. So she'll, she'll release five or six projects in a year, right? From television and, and film, et cetera. So Ingrid Goes West is the, is the thing where you, you kind of perk up and you're like, wow, this lady's a powerhouse. Then she does Black Bear from 2020. And you're like, oh my goodness, what was that? Because what's amazing about that is Black Bear, uh, without spoiling it, sort of is two movies in one. Mm-hmm. And her character, um, she she plays a character that kind of goes through two different storylines, which ends up, in essence, being sort of two different characters. Uh, and it is mesmerizing, truly mesmerizing. The bear in the road and the bear in the house, isn't yes. that right? Or yeah. the boathouse, yeah, yeah. Yeah, uh, it, it, it's just phenomenal. And then when she does a movie like this, you're, you're sitting there thinking, okay, she is just going to, she should be winning all the awards, all of them. Well, and then you take into consideration that she's in one of the best shows of 2022, The White Lotus. Yeah, I haven't like, seen it, okay. but I've heard a lot. I've heard some amazing stuff about that show. Um, and, if you and, liked Black Bear and Ingrid Goes West, it's signing to that black comedy drama, but it's an anthology. But if you like those, I think you would dig that. Yeah. She's, she's immediately now, uh, to me an an actor actress that the minute you see her name attached to something, uh, even something like Legion, which I didn't think I would like, but she was fantastic in that. Mm-hmm. Yes, you're um, right. Yep. Show, but she has just such a unique personality uh, and I love the way that she's taking these roles that really challenge yourself. Um, and I, I think she's one of the smartest players out there right now that's uh, creating some some fantastic art. Uh, and, yeah. and what she's doing, it's art. <laughs> it really is. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I think you said, you know, she's taking a risk to really get out there and show just, just how good she is by simply doing a lot more of these indie, you know, not big, you know, you know, not Fox Studios or a Sony or Paramount. I mean, she's going with a lot of independent films that, you know, I mean, again, we talked to, we mentioned Dirty Grandpas, you know, need writing dates. I mean, like you said, you know, that was, you know, her deadpan, sarcastic, you know, quick, quick wit firing off, you know, and she probably saw that, uh, you know, this is all they are really seeing me as. Let me branch out here a little bit and show them really just what I'm capable of. And holy shit, she is. She is, she is something else. You guys called it. She is something to watch for over the next five, 10 years. Cause she's got some, she's got something special and I can't wait to see what she really, you know, throws herself into, um, to say, Hey, look, this is, this is what I want to show you guys, my vision of what it is. So let me know what you think. Yeah. And, and it's not even the next five or 10 years. Go back to 2017, like start there. Yeah. Start, start with yeah. Ingrid Goes West and you're going to be like, holy cow. This is not yeah. April Ludgate from Parks and Rec. No, no, you know, no. Um, there, there is so much talent in just those, just the three films between yeah. Ingrid Goes West, Black Bear, and Emily the Criminal. I mean, yeah. This is unfair, but like when she was in Parks and Rec, I kind of just thought, oh, she might be like someone like a Cat Dennings. Like she'll kind of pop up in big movies and she'll be like a bit character. Cause Cat Dennings is not great. Like she's funny, but not you know, doesn't have the talent as, uh, Aubrey Plaza, 
But then you see Aubrey Plaza do stuff like this. You're like, no, Kat Dennings wishes she was Aubrey Plaza any day of the week. Um, I'll go out there and say folks like Jennifer Lawrence wishes she was Aubrey Plaza. I think Aubrey Plaza is is the best out there right now. And don't get me wrong. I think Jennifer Lawrence has some great films in her filmography. It's fantastic. In the line of like this movie, in a way. It is. But I I don't think Jennifer Lawrence could deliver something like Black Bear. I, I just don't think she can. No, I agree with you. I, I think Jennifer Lawrence is, to me, she's she's really not that great. She can put out some great performances, but in terms of when you see a star's name attached to something that makes you want to go see it, her name, no. Aubrey Plaza, yes. Yeah, I think because Jennifer Lawrence has had some duds in the last little bit that has, has made her maybe not yeah, uh, I mean, as as attractive as she wants. I mean, the performance she did in Mother is unbelievable. Yeah, I mean, you might not was, like Mother, but the performance. Was no, I, oh no, it was crazy. But you know, I, and I, I mean, yeah, I mean, for being the first woman to ever be, you know, a female action superstar. Okay, oh, John, no. that's not <laughs> no. What what I mean is, I, I'm with, a Kentucky person. I can't let you badmouth yeah. with Jennifer with Lawrence. Jennifer Lawrence. I think, and Aubrey Plaza in her filmography, she has some misses. I think every. Every time you go out there, like the good ones, they're going to take risks. They're going to take risks on the popular stuff. They're going to take risks on the independent stuff. You should have, you, if you are taking chances you're gonna grow, as an actor, you should have misses on your absolutely filmography. But people should say the movie was bad, but you were good. Yes. Yeah. There should always be that statement where you are sort of separated from the 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 piece of art itself, and people say yes. The film might not have been great, but man, Aubrey Plaza was amazing. Yeah. Um, or she makes that film worth it because it's total trash. But if you see it, it's because of her performance or their performance. And and I think yeah. that's the difference for me is when I watch Jennifer Lawrence in a grade A product, Jennifer Lawrence is really good. She can bring it. Uh, when you watch Jennifer Lawrence in something <laughs> like Passengers, is, you're like, <laughs> you're yeah, like, uh, okay, she's not that great in it, but it, the material's not that good either. Mm. No. I'm really struggling to think of something from Aubrey Plaza where I'm like, I've, I haven't ever not liked Aubrey Plaza, even in stuff that's mediocre. I think I've always liked Aubrey Plaza in it. So yes. I, I think maybe that's the test, right? If you really want to see how good of a, an actor and actress is, put them in something that's total junk. And if they still stand out and you're like, well, they're still good in it, um, then put them in, in the A-plus stuff and they're just going to knock it out of the ballpark. Right. Okay. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, the, the next names, there's not a lot to talk about. At least I'm not familiar with them. You guys may be. We got Theo Rossi as um, Yosef. So he's got lots and lots of television. And he's been in stuff, um, I think, most recently, like Sons of Anarchy and Luke mm-hmm. Cage. He's been in some films like Cloverfield, Red Sands, Ghost of War. Uh, most recently, call out to Jose here, because I'm, I'm oh, sure I'm Jose would just <laughs> go, oh, yeah, I love Theo. Um, Army of the Dead from 2021. So um, Theo is working hard, though, because he's had seven projects, including Emily the Criminal in 2022. So the guy's out there working. Um, and we'll talk about his performance here in a little bit. I'm going to slaughter this next name. Yes. Slaughter. <laughs> is is it Megalin? Is it, That's, is that, yeah, Megalin. Etchi can woke? I don't know. Yeah, cl- sure. We'll yeah, okay, Liz. Now, she's she's got one notable credit on her filmography. She was in Buffy the Vampire Slayer, the television show, back in 2003. 
Um, I thought it was interesting when she's transitioning to film. She has a role in 2013 in the film A Good Day to Die Hard. She plays Pretty Reporter. So I think she's she's a very attractive woman. She is. Um, I think she's kind of up and coming. She's she's had a couple of major projects, but not major roles. She was in the 2017's Chips, 2018's Night School, um, and Late Night from 2019. We've got uh, Jonathan Avigdori as Khalil, Yusuf's cousin. Lots and lots of television, including Lincoln Lawyer, The Equalizer, FBI, Snowfall, SEAL Team, etc. This guy's a workaholic, too. Uh, he has a credit uh, on IMDb as creator, writer, and director of the TV show America. We've got Bernardo Badilio as Javier. Again, lots of television, including Snowfall and Animal Kingdom. And a couple of films here and there, most recently Sully in 2016. So outside of Aubrey Plaza, everybody else, um, they're kind of drawing from some independent films or not so independent films, but maybe smaller parts. Well, you missed one name. I'm getting there in a lot of television. Outside of Aubrey, the other name that you may recognize who has a small role is Gina Gershon or Gershon is Alice. She plays Liz's boss. So she comes in later in the film. And we talked ad nauseum about Gina when we talked about Showgirls back in 1995. We did. We did. Yeah. I we, don't think. I, I think we need a recap, though. <laughs> we, we, we'll, we'll just sit here and talk about Bound. I mean, she's amazing at Bound. <laughs> oh, um, and, she's, and she's in Face Off. And she's in Face Off. Yeah. Yes. Uh, production and development. So in writing Emily the Criminal, John Patton Ford drew on his own experiences with student debt and working at restaurants. After Plaza read the script, she came on board as a producer in addition to agreeing to star in the film. So as the story goes, she fell in love with this thing, immediately wanted to back it. And uh, this was sort of a a big project for her for a couple of years. And the only other thing to take note is it's an independent film. It was filmed in 20 days on a $2 million budget. Which is fast. That is fast. Very fast. Yeah. Because it is, what, 94? Seven ninety-eight minutes, right? So that's ninety-eight pages a script. So you're doing almost five page, almost five pages a day. That's yeah. that's fast. Yeah, I I would be curious. I would love to kind of find out how this all came to fruition in terms of where did John Patton Ford kind of cross with Aubrey? Sit down. I would just love to hear that discussion of the pitch on the screenplay, her reading it, and then her reaction to it. That, that would have just been, it'd been awesome to be flying the wall for that whole thing. Oh, absolutely. Um, I think that's about it. I'm, I'm really curious to hear your guys' thoughts on this. So how about we take a quick break and we come back, uh, we get into 2022's Emily the Criminal. How's that sound? Fantastic. All right. Yeah. Groovy. We'll be back. Dr. Pepper is the coolest drink in town. 
Dr. Pepper is the friendly pepper upper. And it never, never, ever lets you down. Regular or king size? Rusty, man. Frosty. Paradise, Texas, 1932. Prosperity was just around the corner at the nearest bank. Hot money, hot cars, hot damn Angie Dickinson is Big Bad Mama with her finger on the trigger and Texas by the tail. Big Bad Mama, she gave her girls everything, her looks, her lovers, and the crime of their lives. When it comes to vice, Mama knows best. Why can't we be right up there with Ford, Rockefeller, Capone, and all the rest of them? Big Bad Mama. Times were tough, but she was tougher. We're gonna have everything we ever wanted! Angie Dickinson, William Shatner, Tom Skerritt, in Big Bad Mama. 3,336 banks went bust in the Depression. Mama busted half of them. Big Bad Mama, in color, rated R. Let's get into this. So we we kicked the show off, at least sharing our own experiences, where we came from. We got uh, two white guys, one a millennial, one a, uh, what, what am I classified again? Gen X? And then we don't know what John is, because Korean, <laughs> you said Koreans have a different set. I don't know. I'm going to get, yeah. I'm just going to, I'm going to plug you in Gen X. Okay. So uh, where should we start on this? Do I, I don't. We need to talk about the ending, but let's save that towards the end of the conversation. For people who haven't seen it, maybe we'll put a little spoiler. Like if you if you want to go watch it, stop here. Yeah. So let's stay away from the ending when we share our thoughts. But okay. I'm I'm gonna yeah. kick it over to you, John, for first impressions. Uh, this was a first time watch for you, and I think we all did not catch this in the theater. Um, nobody I, did, Troy. Yeah, <laughs> nobody did. Well, Randy yeah. did because he was the one that was talking yeah. about it. So what are your thoughts on Emily the Criminal, John? Um, for a first-time watch, uh, I, at, by the time it was done, I, I was like, holy shit, shame on me for not watching this in the theater. Uh, I do remember seeing the trailer for it in the theater. Um, but again, it was one of those, oh my gosh, I got to see this um, because Aubrey Plaza. Uh, but it fell off the radar because I had not seen it advertised after that watching the movie it, it hit home a lot in terms of circumstances uh getting yourself into a corner to which you, know, you really don't know what to do you know it's not the right thing to do but you need to do it because you know how else are you supposed to live and by the end of it um I, i'm sitting here telling myself this movie has so many poignant thoughts that if if people didn't really take time to analyze, you know, what what is it that you can really take away from this film? 
I think they're doing themselves a disservice. I think Aubrey playing Emily really created a character when you're seeing her, you're listening to her, you're you're watching the events that she's going through. It, it's relatable to I think quite a few, quite quite a many uh, people who may not be as deep in the hole as she might have been, but feeling that sense of um, being stuck, kind of in a rut, not sure how to get out. I can't get a leg up. I can't really catch a break. Um, so I'm going to do what I have to do, you know, to keep, you know, going on the next day. Um, the events, meeting people, um, as she did with Yosef, who comes off as a very, very, I mean, Theorazi, just really great. Um, always know him as Juice uh, from, like you said, Sons of Anarchy. But he really creates a character that I think we all knew someone like that in our lifetime. Right. It's like, here's a guy, he, 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 he puts, he has the facade of, I got everything in order. I'm on top of my game. You know, I got my gold chains. I got, I got money to show. Um, so you kind of want to, you know, emulate that. When I finished watching it the first time, I waited till the next day to go over it a second time because the first time watch, it, it was really deep. Um, and I, and, and it, it touched me in, in a way that was very personal in a sense of, you know, it, this could be you, this could be your friend. This could be another family member that somebody, you know, in your life like this. Right. And I think the moral of the story to me was basically stop lying to yourself. Number one, and do what you're best doing. Right. Um, and like you said, we won't talk about the ending just yet, and, and I'll, I'll I'll explain a little bit about that. See if it makes a little bit more sense for everybody. But okay, that that's an um, interesting take. <laughs> yeah, it, it is because, um, like I said, there's a lot of good moral um, takeaways from this that I think um, hopefully people can really just just sit and analyze and understand that it. it's a great movie. Number one, uh, it, it's a great movie. Great performances. Um, do yourself a favor. Just just take some time. Watch it. Okay. What about you, Brad? What, what was your reaction to it? Yeah, I think I think this film captures struggle in a really interesting and, and profound way. <clears throat> I feel like I'm very fortunate, and I I haven't really had much of a struggle for my almost forty years. Yeah, I've had moments here and there, but overall. I feel like I've lived a very fortunate and easy life compared to the vast majority of people. So it, it really is um, hard for me to see characters struggle and um, live with, you know, to sort of not make ends meet. Um, but this one really kind of got me, Immediately, because like I said, like we're in the same, Emily and I are in the same generation. Um, you know, I was, I was 2008 thinking at some point in time, I was probably going to lose my job. Um, cause in banking, if you weren't in the money-making, um, part of banking, you thought I'm going to get cut because I'm, you know, this is, this is just not where banking is going right now. Um, luckily I was not, but you know, that's kind of, that's kind of like my biggest fear at that point in time, which is losing my job. I had a job, but anyway, but Emily is 
ultimately very still relatable to me. Um, even though like her struggles and my struggles are different, I still have struggles. Um, they're not as profound as, as hers are. Um, you know, I struggled to be a good dad, you know, struggled to make sure that I leave my kids better off than I am when I, you know, better off than, you know, they were, but this movie really sort of got me as like the storytelling is, is not really your typical storytelling in a film like this. Like she has two roommates. I don't know if they ever speak or we know their names or anything like that. Her friend is a little bit one note. She's just trying to get her a job. So like all this character building around Emily, is it the best? Like we know like her relationship um, with um, Yusuf and that's kind of about it. Right. And, and you don't think like, you don't, that so that's interesting. You don't think her and Liz's relationship a little is bit, but enough? it's mostly hey, we went to we grew up together, we went to art school together. I'm successful, you're not. That's our relationship. I I feel somewhat bad for you because in our past, I'm assuming Liz was in the car when they got a DUI, when she got a DUI. Um, I don't know if the DUI she, story was real. I think that DUI story was a fake story because her criminal record is tied to an assault charge. Yeah, I, I assumed that that was real and then the assault was also real, but I could be wrong. But anyway, like I, I'm just assuming that Liz feels sorry for Emily um, and wants her wants to kind of save her in a way. Um, and that's not what a relationship should be uh, founded upon. Like, I, I feel like Liz wants or does she? She doesn't, but she wants to come across like she cares. Yeah, uh, but she yeah, uses I, Emily. She uses Emily. She does, um, yeah, yeah. But I, I think she wants to drag her along to make – I think Liz uses Emily so Liz can feel good about herself. But that's not – like their relationship isn't fully fleshed out in this in this movie. What, I, what I'm getting at is Yusuf and Emily have a relationship and then everything else is just kind of secondary which is totally fine. Like that is a, is a way to tell a story. This movie is 97% about Emily and it should be. And, um, and, and we talk about films that rely solely on the lead actors performance. And you look at Emily and you're like, I don't know if anyone else could pull this off. And I don't know if I want anyone else to play Emily. Cause Aubrey Plaza is spot on. And you feel her struggle like, you know, she's working and she just kind of casually is like, dude, I'm, I'm working this because I have I need this job because I have $70,000 worth of student debt. Like, fuck this job. But I need it um, because I have to pay off this student debt. Um, and you see her like living with roommates because, you know, the cost of living is crazy and rent is crazy. And, you know, we penalize people who have made mistakes in the past. Um, and so it's like, it's this compounding problem that she didn't graduate college, which fine, you know, but she ran up the debt like she did. And then she got, you know, in trouble. And, and I'm sure from what her story is, it was, she basically finally stood up to her boyfriend and, you know, who knows what the whole story is, but anyway, um, 
But yeah, man, um, Emily is a fascinating character. One that I think um, you sympathize with. And then you also are like, don't, don't go down this road. Don't go down this road, please (laughs) don't go down this road. Uh, Because once she sort of is into that world, you can see that the money starts coming in. It's easy for her. Um, She's somewhat good at it. Um, And, um, but you're, you're rooting for her in in, in one way and you're telling her to run the other direction. But look, man, like I've, I've had, I've had chances to make real easy money uh, doing some things that probably maybe not aren't illegal, but maybe the, the legality might be a little fishy, but I've never needed money that bad to go down that road. And I, I'm thankful for that every day, but you see characters like this and you know, how easy and how how attractive that would be when two hundred dollars is more like two million dollars to you, right? Like if if when we talk about things, it's like, oh, how much does that cost? Well, it's like, well, it, it doesn't matter because the cost of you and the cost of me are two different things. Those are two different values. Um to Emily, five hundred dollars might be life changing, right? And um is life changing. And you will do a lot for that. And I very much sympathize with that. And this film just does a great job of a selling the struggle B making a character. That's not very sympathetic because of what she's doing and how she's doing it become very sort of likable and, uh, I never once after she started doing it was like judging her. Right. Cause I, I, I get it. I, I understand why she's doing it. So long story short, I, I think this is a profoundly excellent movie led by an actor who is amazing. And I think the guy Theo who plays Yusuf, I think he's, almost just as good as she is that relationship that they have last week, we talked about Morbius (laughs) literally has zero chemistry. As soon as Yusuf and Emily share a look together, you know, right then and there that they are going to have a relationship. Oh, there's chemistry. Yeah. But, but I think one of the good things about this movie is it's at some point in time, it's not about the relationship. There comes a time where Emily's like, you know what? I'm here to survive. And if you can't help me survive, then fuck you. I'm out. And so I I think Emily never betrays who she is for someone else. And I think that is pretty awesome because every time we see these female led movies, at some point in time, the character portrays who they really are for relationship. This one, it doesn't do that. So I, I applaud this movie for going places um, and for really taking me on a journey and really kind of making me fall in love with the character. Okay. Uh, okay. Okay. So I have a question for you guys. Name a more American film from 2022 that tackles issues facing young adults or millennials in 2022. Mm. Other than this one, I, I don't know. I don't know. The Batman. Uh, no, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, is is there a film out there that even, seen even comes close to Emily the Criminal? That if if you were to pick a movie and go, okay, let me let me tell you what's going on with 2022, 
especially for uh, this specific generation and the economy and the social issues we're facing? Like what movie out there even encapsulates what's happened this year? I can't think of one. I didn't know if yeah. you guys had one. So, and that's funny. Like people my age are talking about like investments and stuff like that. And they're like, well, the best thing you can invest for your kids right now is buy them a house now so that they, they can have it when they grow up. Cause they're not going to be able to afford it in 20 years. And I'm like, really? Like that's what people are talking about. Now they're buying real estate now. Oh, I to hear hold it. Do set up a trust set up, yeah. you know, buy whole life insurance, all of this stuff. Yep. Right. Yeah. Um, um, land, land, land. Yeah. yeah. So it's, yeah. it's crazy to me because just, Here's here's a list, and you guys can add to it, of the things that I was thinking about the next day after I watched this, going, oh my gosh, if, if you think about all of the stuff this film touches. Like thematically? That happens in, in terms of social circumstances for 2022, right? So here's my list. You got young adults with overwhelming debt compared to previous generations. Mm -hmm. So good or bad. I know you made some comments there in the beginning, John. Good or bad, it just is what it is, right? Doesn't matter if you agree with their choices or don't agree with their choices. The amount of debt that this specific generation is dealing with in comparison to Gen X or et cetera, it, it's just different um, and it's staggering. Uh, people working as independent contractors. So this whole concept of the gig economy, it's mm -hmm. huge now, right? Yep. DoorDash. Uber and and how, how many teenagers do you know who are like, I'm going to grow up and be an influencer? Like, that's how they think they're going to make their money. Mm -hmm. yep. um, businesses, as a result of that, exploiting independent contractors. So you've got a scene where the food delivery boss says, hey, look, if you don't like your hours getting cut, then unionize, right? So unionization has kind of come up in headlines this year, especially for businesses like Starbucks, right? Mm -hmm. Um Gina, our, our good friend Gina here, offers an unpaid internship with the possibility of getting paid months later, which I thought was kind of unique because in the middle of all this, she's giving speeches about how she had to fight her way to the top. And Emily's like, still got paid, didn't you? Yeah. Um, Secretary, that, that's my favorite scene of the whole movie. It is. It's, it's a showstopper. It's really good. But it does. I mean, this is what the workforce is right now, and especially in some very specific industries. You've got the right. I, I had to do it. I had to do it. It sucked ass. Yeah. You've got the rise of fraud in our society. It is ridiculous how much fraud. Now, COVID has brought a lot of that on. Um, and it's made it a little bit easier because we've transitioned to a digital market in some places so quickly as a result of businesses closing down that we didn't have some of the guardrails out there. Um, but also the tools of fraud are widely acceptable or widely accessible. So you can get, but they can't. I can get you a credit card machine in an hour if I really wanted to. Yeah. The, the issues are the fraud detection pieces that keep us safe. It seems like it's, it's not catching up with the technology out there to commit the fraud. Um, and John, you, you may see this firsthand more so than any of us, right? Because this yeah. kind of is in your well, wheelhouse. But also I think a lot of times <laughs> these financial institutions make so much money that their write-offs at some point in time, it's like, it's fine. Like yeah. we make so much money on other things. We'll get it next year. We'll catch yeah, it. Exactly. Right. Well, it's not only that, but remember when they had the big SNL scandals and, uh, you know, a couple of years back, we had a couple of banks, you know, getting close to going underwater. Um, what happened? Um, you know, well, 
you know, of course, Daddy Robux, you know, Warbucks government bails them out, right? So they they can they can go and say, you know what? Eh, so what? You know, they're not going to let us. I mean, we're too big to fail. Yeah, I I think I don't know if that's an environment it's here to stay, but you definitely see in an economy. Well, that that gives a rationalization for people to commit fraud too, because they're like, well, these banks are so big, fuck them. I'm yeah, who, steal money who are you really hurting? Well, you're I hurting. Mean, yeah. You're hurting an institution yeah, hurting versus banks, people, yeah, right? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, think about it. I mean, I mean, some of the news stories, you know what? You oh, oh, they got insurance. That's what it's for. Uh, okay. Yeah. So, so then okay. you've also got the topic of the rising cost of living, which is everywhere this year, right? The big I word, inflation. And you've got these instances. You talked about this, Brad. Emily has to live with a roommate that she barely talks to. Like we know nothing about it outside of they're conveniently sharing the expenses of an apartment. Uh, and she even makes the comment when she's talking to Liz that she's debating moving back with one of her parents mm-hmm. just so she can get a handle on her bills. Um, and, and there's we a- used to make fun of people who were 30 years old that lived with their parents. Now it's almost like you have to do that to even think about buying a house now. Yeah. And there's this conversation. That was where- looked upon as being smart. <laughs> yeah. She's trying to pay her bills. And uh, she's like, well, I, I paid $400. Like, yeah, that, that all went to interest. That's not your payment. <laughs> so... Yeah. Um, I, I see those conversations quite a bit, unfortunately. Well, I mean, we've gone through the whole predatory lending thing and, and we're still going through it. We're yeah, still and, going and we've made it. we've made college into a business, and yes. that's where I don't really attack people who have student debt because I think a lot of the times the inter- the institutionalized part of it has become predatory and Colleges know year over year they can increase tuition 9%, 10%, 11%, and people are just going to pay it. And at some point in time, one of the things that we learned during COVID is, well, if I can go to college anywhere because I can take it online, then I don't need to go in-state to this pay it, college right? that costs you know, yeah. X amount of dollars. I can just go somewhere else. And so colleges and universities have had to reevaluate their model and they they should at some point in time because what they've done is raise tuition every year four five six seven eight percent and they know that students will go out get a student loan it'll be government backed it'll be totally fine and we'll just keep making money hand over fist and that at some point in time is going to stop yeah you're right I mean it's it's a cyclical beast that has no end right it's like Hydra from our you know okay cut off two heads you know cut off a head two more grow back in its Mm -hmm. place and that's that's one of and I think I think that's one of the you know if people are taking notes to tell their kids you know that's one of the biggest things you know if you go to college understand that this is now the start of your adult life if you start taking loans and stuff that's part of the responsibility as an adult you're going to have to possibly incur Unless you take other ways to, you know, either get a scholarship, work part-time and stuff like that. Nowadays, as you said, it's all subsidized, backed by somebody. And to your point, Troy, you know, these colleges are, they're real pieces of shit when they raise tuition prices, right? But then you look at, well, okay, what are these students? What is my, what is my child now getting with this increased tuition rate? You know, you're not, we have all the term, what's our return on investment? Well, they're just going to keep up and up and up and we're not seeing a return on our investment. Yeah. It's, it's complicated. What, what's amazing I mean, is they, they, they have, they tell, since my kids are six and three, when they go to school, I will need half a million dollars or half a million dollars 
for both of them to go out of state for four years. Yeah. Now you know why I call it comic books. <laughs> but but think <laughs> about a million this for, dollars, Troy. Yeah. I ain't got a million dollars. <laughs> but think about this for a second. So this film has all of those things jam packed, and that's not one little social issue there. Oh no, it's not. Well, it, but the best part about it is we were talking about it before we started recording. It's not up in your face like oh it isn't this. Uh, that's preachy. what I that's yeah. what I love about this film. So what's really yeah. amazing is you get all of these topical issues layered throughout a modern film noir or thriller, and it never at one point feels preachy in your face. It's no. so matter the fact and the story and Emily and her um, voyage into this criminal activity are center stage. But all of these issues become motivators for some of the decisions that are made in the film, right? How many choices did it take her to get into the criminal world? A lot. No, it took one. Well, hold on. Yeah, you're right. It took one choice, but it took a lot of different factors. Yeah. So what's what's amazing? So you're one you're one choice away from basically being in a criminal. Yeah, absolutely. Everybody is. I mean, you sympathize with the plight of the character, but you also see her making that bad choice or choices, right? It's complicated. It's not black and white. It reminds me of this saying that I'd heard a while ago. You're born looking like your parents. You die looking like your choices in life. And this movie exemplifies that. So in this case, Emily's choices have some very interesting consequences that you don't expect. And I think it actually sort of bucks traditional story trends and you definitely don't expect the ending. We'll talk about that shortly. It's, and I actually think the ending is a bit defiant and it's definitely making a statement. We'll, we'll talk about what that is. Um, but I think you guys have said this, the most important thing you should take away from this film is how freaking amazing Aubrey Plaza is as an actress and the fact that she is not getting a ton of recognition for this role and this performance specifically is the most criminal thing in 2022. Right. If you were going to talk about the most, the, the biggest social injustice, it's not the biggest social injustice, but <laughs> Come on, um, yeah. from a hyper a hyperbole standpoint, where the hell are all of the acting nominations for Aubrey Plaza? I know Brad, she got nominated for something in the golden globes, but it wasn't this right. Uh, yeah, I don't know. She got it for the television show you just mentioned. Oh, White Lotus. Yes. Yeah. She's nominated for White Lotus. For Best Supporting Actress. But she yeah. did not get anything, I think, for the Golden Globes for um, actress in a dramatic role, right? No, she yeah. did not. Um, dramatic role was people, and you, these names will be familiar to you, like Kate Blanchett, mm-hmm. uh, Olivia Coleman for Empire of Light, which I'm not sure, Viola Dalis for the woman King, our girl from blonde there and Michelle Williams from the fable So yeah. when we talk about who will we replace, like, uh, I don't know. I don't know. Olivia Coleman. I haven't seen that performance in empire of light. So I don't know. I know Viola Davis is excellent in the woman King. I'm sure Kate Blanchett is amazing. So it's hard to say, but you, you would kind of hope that she would get something for this role. Maybe it just wasn't big enough, you know, like, I mean, she does. I, uh, that shouldn't to, matter. That shouldn't matter if it comes, you know, if it's a, yeah. a, a, a major, uh, you know, a, a studio release. Yeah. I mean, but, 
Yeah, I mean, to your point, it shouldn't matter. I mean, I think there are a couple independent film nominations she's up for for this, for Best Actress and stuff. But I think you're absolutely right. I, I think the best uh, cure for this, and I, I think probably, I hopefully it makes her feel good. I think the best thing that could ever happen is like what we're doing. We're talking about it. The podcast is going to speak to, you know, hundreds of other people that hopefully they watch it and then they spread the word and it just keeps building the momentum. Like, look how look how great a movie can be. Just sit here and watch this, and then then let's talk about it a little bit further. You're you're uh, overinflating our influence, John. The five people that you. listen to I us, very, I think, I are very gonna... much appreciate it. I love you, <laughs> but yes, sure. No, no. <laughs> um, yeah, the, I, I, I her performance. But the other thing, and I I don't want to take away. I I do think you're 100 right um, with the the others in the film. They also sort of bring the thunder in terms of the acting. Specific, specifically Theo Rossi. I think he's fantastic. Yes. Um, he comes into second place in terms of the acting and the performance, but man, it's a strong second place. His problem is he's competing against Aubrey Plaza. Yeah, John, John, is Juice, like, is he that good in Sons of Anarchy? Because I've i always seen a few episodes of Sons of Anarchy. Yeah, he really is. I mean, okay. his character, when you first meet Juice in, in, in SOA, I mean, you look at him, he's like, okay, he's another member, but then he actually has a, a complete storyline, which really makes you feel for the character on, on many different levels. And he brought that, uh, he was really, really good in that. Really I'm, I might have to check that out just solely yeah. on kind of my newfound respect for him as an actor. So, yeah. Okay. The, well, and the other thing I want to point out is, um, Jeff Bierman. I, I, th- I think oh, he yeah. shot the hell out of this film. You get these close, intimate shots with Aubrey Plaza when she's struggling with these difficult choices, and the camera isn't afraid to get personal, um, and it works with an actress like Aubrey Plaza. Uh, The closeness brings you into her world, and you get to see things through her eyes. Uh, And and the other thing um, that I want to highlight is I I really do think the script and the direction is top-notch. I mean, I cannot believe this is the guy's first-time film. Yeah, it blows I, my mind. Yeah. I will put this guy on a on a short list of like what he does next. Like I'll I'm check in. out. Yeah, I'll go in blind. I don't care. Like whatever he does next, I'm gonna check it out. And in, in in just solely off of his direction and his writing, and like Dude, the writing oh, yeah. the script is yeah. great. Yeah, I mean, how many times have we talked about you know? Give us a story. Give us a story. He he story. Okay, here you go. And he just smacks you over the head with it. And this is so good. I, you're absolutely right. Whatever he brings out next, I'm, I'm just going to go watch because I, I, I'm excited to see. Hopefully he stays true and understands that what he did here is something special. And he can keep that He can keep that going. Um, don't be a sellout. Just, just keep doing it, man. He just creates so much tension. Yes. I, I mean, first and foremost, this thing's a thriller. And there, there's so much tension in these little and big scenes, which I think is amazing. So you, you get what I'll consider a big scene, which is like the first purchase. I I think it's intense, right? She, all she's got to do is take a credit card, go buy a TV. Um, and who knew that taking a fraudulent credit card into a store and buying a TV could create so much tension, right? Uh, then you get the next bigger thing where she's has to go in on this fraud and purchasing a car and it's tense already. And then it's like, hey, you got to fill this form out. And she knows she has eight minutes before she's caught, right? Um, 
And then you get these other smaller moments that are super tense, like the dinner scene with uh, Yusef's mother. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden, Khalil comes in and it becomes super tense. It goes from sweet to tense organically. The confrontation interview, I think, <laughs> is the standout. Yeah. Like if you're getting nominated, like that's the scene that they show for like your nomination. Yeah. And I, I love I love Emily as a character when she's being given this logic or reasoning of like, this is how it is. Right. So right at the beginning of the film, she gets tricked at an interview and then she's like, why are you tricking me? If if you had all the information right now, why aren't we talking about it? And, and then when it finally comes to Gina Gershon's character and is saying, Hey, you're going to work here. We're not going to pay you. Um, in a few months we'll, we'll see what happens. And then she starts accusing her like, well, if you had all these things happen to you, why didn't you go back to college or, or even go to community college? So it goes beyond, I mean, Gina Gershon, like it starts stepping into Emily's world of choices that she made outside of this job interview. Um, and there's so much tension in the scene. And then you get that final confrontation within the safe house, which again is like this elaborate heist. Uh, and, and it's a big moment, but it is tense through and through. It really felt, um, I, I hate making this comparison, but I, I think it's very similar into that genre. But the the two brothers who did Uncut Gems, mm-hmm. and I'm blanking on their names. Oh, the, the Shaffley brothers? Yeah. So this has that feel of Uncut Gems, but I, I would be the first to say I like Emily the Criminal way more than I like Uncut mm-hmm. Gems. I like Uncut Gems a lot. It, it's a, uh, don't get me wrong. Uncut Gems is really good, but I think this one does a great job of keeping the tension through the, through the quiet moments. Safety brothers. Safety brothers. Yeah. So I I think where uncut gems loses some of its momentum on the tension, this one is, it's always there front and center. Um, And it, you said a tension, right. And and it's, it's multi-level tension, right. From, um, a personal standpoint, again, some people may be able to relate to the situation. Could they make that same choice to that emotional uh, tension? Like, man, I, you know, I, I hope she you know, makes the right choice. Oh, God, what's going to happen now? You know, the tension is so multi-level that like, you, kept, you kept going through the scenes and it, it just like, oh, my God, I'm kind of exhausted because, man, there's just so many levels that just I just went through in this mo- in that particular scene. It, it was it. It was so great. It is. And, and don't get me wrong. Uncut Gems, I think, man, that third act in Uncut Gems is uh, edge of my seat. Yeah. But to me, well, this one starts it, and it's always yeah. there, even in even in the small moments to the big moments. Emily the Criminal has it all throughout. The difference is, like, Sandler's character in that is making choices, and you're getting angry at him for making those choices because right. you, you're, you're still pulling for him, but you're disappointed every time he makes a choice. And this one, I'm not disappointed with Emily. There is more sympathy with this. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Um, And I got to tell you overall uh, the credit card scam and selling of purchased items from the credit cards is pretty damn fascinating. I I work in risk and I I work with fraud and stuff like that. And you read about all of that, but Mm -hmm. man, to sit there and watch a movie and watching it go through in such a character art, it really brings all of this stuff you read about home. So I'm assuming, right. They're charging those to those credit cards. Obviously the credit cards that, that charge gets rejected, rejected, but you've still got the product. Then you go sell the product. Then you go make a new credit card and yep. 
Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if so you're it, buying all those card numbers off the dark web and all that stuff. Yeah. So if you like, Hey, everybody, you should watch this film just simply to understand why you should protect your personal information in the digital world. This will, well, and then also know that your digital information is out there somewhere. It's just a matter of time. Yeah. It's yeah. crazy. Yeah. That's a scary thought. I mean, the push is it's coming, right? Go, go completely digital, but we said it earlier. We're talking about it now. I mean, look at the level. Look how easy it was for them to snatch somebody's name, snatch somebody's card, and they're off to the races, right? And now that it's going to be pushing all digital, it, it I can tell you right now, it's going to get a lot easier, folks. Well, and the fact that somebody can just do it out of their apartment was crazy yeah. to me. Like, yeah. here's a computer. Here's a machine that puts numbers on pieces of plastic, and boom, yep. you yep. can make uh, $10,000, $15,000 pretty quick, Yep, which is nuts to me. Yep. Um, I want to spend a little bit time in some of the themes and especially that end, unless you guys have some more, because this I want to transition to the. Oh no, yeah, let's part. let's talk about the ending. Okay. Well, let let me just say before we talk about the ending, you know, uh, we talk about you know, hopefully, you folks, when you watch it, you understand what I mean about you know, you know, stop lying to yourself, you know, put yourself in those places, right? You're you're so whole, you're so deep in the hole, you know, you get presented a choice. Go make a quick 200 bucks by, you know, buying a TV with a fraudulent credit card. You know, don't lie to yourself. If you're that deep of the hole, you're, you're probably going to do it. Okay. Uh, you know, <laughs> and, like we, I, and like we said, the consumer, the person whose credit card you're supposedly using, if it's a credit card, they're not out that money. Like it's yeah. not them. It's say it's capital. I feel like one. you guys capital are just, one is out of that money. I feel like yeah. you guys are. So they're not. <laughs> If we're going to talk about this, it does hurt the consumer overall. It does, yeah. but well, yeah, it's it easy does. to rationalize that. It's, it's easy to rationalize, just, yeah, and and that's what I'm trying to say is stop lying to yourself. Like, oh no, this is wrong. I shouldn't do this. Is gonna, you know, when you start rationalizing, you're just lying to yourself more and more and more. Because bottom line is, you got rent coming due. You got to buy groceries for your family or your kids or whatever. If you think, you know, I'm this one time and done. I'm going to make two hundred bucks and go. You're number one. You're lying to yourself because if you figure out that it's just this easy, uh, you're probably going to go do it again. Because yeah, because it's two hundred dollars cash, it tax free, which In is more like four, it's like four hundred dollars. Yeah, so. exactly right. All right, exactly. well let, let's talk because th this gets into some of the thematic stuff, right? And especially that editing. Yeah. So for anybody, I don't even know what minute we're on. We're we're probably around the minute twenty mark. I don't know or hour and 20 minute mark. Yeah. Uh, if you want to go see this film and be surprised by the ending, stop here, come back and visit this after you watch Emily, the criminal, you can find it easily on Netflix. If you want to own the Blu-ray, it's only like 12 or 14 bucks. And, yeah. That's and, how much I, got. I think it was 12 99 when I bought it on Amazon. Yeah, and if, As a matter if of fact, I'm going to be adding it to my library. That's how much I love this movie. Yeah. I definitely would tell anybody who collects films from a physical perspective, go out and buy this sucker. Yeah. Uh, if you, and, and I'll mark in the, uh, in the, uh, show notes when the spoiler, uh, happens and when it ends. So okay. you'll know. Yeah. So I'm going to ask some questions from here on out. We're all, all the guardrails are off spoiler free. What do you think the movie is saying about the millennial experience in today's society? So your main character has a criminal record and can't get a decent job because of it. And she's an art student who racked up a bunch of student loans, but didn't finish college and and more specifically is she a victim of the system or is she worsening people like her that are stuck in a cycle of debt with this whole credit card scheme Let, can i 
as the millennial, can I go first? I I can't wait for your okay. response. <laughs> so we tell, and I am guilty of it already. We tell our kids, you can grow up to be whatever you want. Be whatever you want. Just as long as you're happy, be whatever you want. I used to say you could be the president. Well, now anyone truly can be the president. <laughs> uh, but, um, but what we don't tell them is the real things about life, about uh, how much things actually cost and how much housing costs and how much this is and how much that is. And I think it's very interesting that they chose her to be an art student because we always hear about, oh, you went to this liberal arts school and wanted to be a hippie dippy artist. And, you know, you took out $300,000 worth of loans so you can make $35,000 a year. And that is true. I think someone should have looked at that person who was potentially going to only make $50,000 a year and say, look, maybe taking out $300,000 worth of loans, it's not the best idea if you're only going to make X dollars. But no one, that's not really what we say, right? We say, well, what's going to make you, you're, ne- you're never going to work a day in your life if you do what you love. And that's what's most important. That's what we always tell people. That is total bullshit. <laughs> it is. That is a fallacy that we keep selling to people that it doesn't matter just as long as you're happy. I'm sorry. That's wrong. We shouldn't be telling people that. We should tell them that shit is expensive. <laughs> and you need to make is I'm that, sorry. Okay. Money is important. I it, call me a sellout, call me whatever. Look, this is coming from someone when I was 15 years old, I wanted to draw comics. A, it's super hard to do that, and I wasn't that great. <laughs> but also, if you're not one of the best, you don't make that much money. Sure, I would have loved to draw Spider-Man every day for the rest of my life. But if I was just some random artist, I wouldn't be doing well. <laughs> so at some point in time, you got to man up or woman up and say, sure, that's my dream. And that's what I want to be. But I also want to eat and I want to be able to at some point in time, not work. Um, and everyone is guilty of, of just looking at people and saying, Hey, be whatever you want. Oh, just, just be whatever you want. It's going to, your, your life is going to be so great. If you just do what you love. And I, I'm this movie kind of encapsulate encapsulate that for me. Cause she's this art school student. She loves to do art, but then she starts making money and the art goes away. As soon as that money starts hitting that hand, that art is done. But she ends up doing art at the end of the film. Really? She, What's the last scene of the movie, Troy? She's drawing. No, she's not. No, she's not. No, there's no, two she's... there's two scenes. She's drawing. So What's this the last scene. The yeah, last, the last scene, scene we'll talk about that in a second. Okay. Right. Let, you cannot so here's the thing. That last scene you cannot take in and of itself. You have to take the last five minutes. You cannot do it in isolation. I don't think so. No, I don't think I, so. I, I totally disagree with you. I, I think wow. the reason they because they could have shown it in the other order. But they I don't didn't. I don't from a storytelling, no. I don't think so. Troy, she does art and then she has an epiphany that says, you know what? I'm good at this other thing too. And it makes real money. Yeah. She does stopped. That. She stopped lying to herself yes. and realized this is what I'm going to do to make that bank. This Absolutely. is, this is what I, I, I totally, agree what with I totally find interesting is I think that is an element of it. I don't think that's what that, 
I if you I think they if are you concentrate showing her drawing and then in the next scene, nah, you know what? I'm going to teach you all how to do this. I'm going to be the head guy again. When, you, I'm gonna make when that money. she gets to, so the whole twist of this is the police come bust her apartment, try to find her. She's not there. Next, you get her living pretty much in South America, in South America. Yep. And she's doing all of this stuff that she wants to do. She's living in South America. She's on a beach. She's drawing. And then it ends with her doing the credit card scam. I don't think you can take that credit card scam in isolation. I think you have to look at the South America thing as a whole. She yeah. wasn't sitting on the beach and hitting an epiphany. It was like, oh, I'm going to do good. She did that as one collective thing. And, and I think what it's saying is I, I find this to be a very radical sort of F you to the system movie. I, I really do. Well, I think so. Yes. Yeah. Oh, it absolutely is. But it's basically saying, in my opinion, it's not about the art and it's not about the credit card fraud. It's everything else. It's don't participate in this bullshit. Go do what you want to do. And maybe the credit card stuff funds what she wants to do, but she's sitting with a bunch of cash already. She doesn't have to do that. She got the money, right? So with as much money as she had, she could live down there just fine. But if you look at everything that she wanted to accomplish or wanted to do from her dreams or what she's telling you, you know, Yousef and stuff and others, and then says, okay, I want to go to South America. I want to draw because painting everything she loves doing that. And then she's got this business now where she's running it. She's basically kind of putting a middle finger to capitalism, and everything else, and just saying, hey, in order for me to get what I want, I don't participate in the system. And in fact, I, I really, I, I have to like do the stuff outside of the system. Well, see, I, so that's kind of, you just kind of countered your own argument there a little bit. I mean, you said, you know, from when they, she got the money. Yeah. She, I mean, it looked like a sizable chunk. I would estimate, you know, 250 grand, probably close to half a mil. She could have lived comfortably and not do anything, but sit on the beach and draw, but she didn't. Right. She said, you know what? She wants that juice, Troy. I I can't I I I can't keep living this lie that this is what exactly I want to do. So what do I want to do? I I, I want to make that money, and that's the end scene. I mean, so yeah, it's definitely a big you know f you to the whole system because honestly, folks, take a listen. Right, you know, you got you know if you want to find some interesting news that should really piss you off, read about FTX. And then read about the story of if you try to run your Etsy shop or do something a little bit on the side and you make a little money, uh, if you make over 600 bucks, the IRS is going to be up your ass. Well, so Techni technically not until they, you get audited and they come <laughs> well, after you. But, but you know what I mean? It's, it's the system that folks who are just trying to do what they love, make a little bit of coin while they're at it. They're getting screwed over, whereas, again, credit card fraud or, hell, even corporate fraud, FTX, I keep using that because that's the current one in the news, fraud on millions. I mean, we thought Bernie Madoff was bad, but what's, what's really going to happen to them versus, you know, Aunt Peggy or Uncle Buck, uh, you know, trying to sell their woodcrafts and they happen to make, you know, a, a, a nice little coin from the, you know, weekend fairs and stuff. I mean, the whole system is rigged, so... Yeah, it, it's a big fu. I, I think so, but I, I don't think I don't think you 
if you look at it from the standpoint of her happiness being just from committing credit card fraud, I don't think you understand the character. I, I don't think you understand the movie. If you think about all of the times where she's she starts to put the drawings away and she's not doing it, et cetera. Um, and, and even the dinner scene with the mother where she says at some point you're going to find, you know, Emily, the, the accountant or Emily, the bar, she's like, you're going to find your calling, right? I or you're going to find Emily, the criminal, or you're going to find Emily, the criminal. Absolutely. But I think that becomes a part of it, right? In order to do the things that she loves, she can't participate within the system. It's basically saying, here's a broke student carrying all of this debt, living in a cycle of debt. And she tries, she tries to pay the monthly payments, goes all to interest. Um, she's trying to work this job, but then she gets treated like crap. And then when she tries to go for another job, well, you got a criminal record or you got to work X amount of months without money. Um, and you're already struggling. So her participating in the system not only doesn't get her anywhere, but it puts her farther away from the things that she loves to do, which is draw and paint. And so where the movie ends, which is really interesting it's not one of these moral movies where it's like, hey, don't do anything bad because you're going to get caught. It really is like, hey, look, if you want to continue um, participating in this shit show yeah. <laughs> going on, right? Yeah. Um, great, go ahead. You're not going to get very far. However, if you live outside of the system and you even take advantage of it in some criminal activity, you will end up getting to do the things that you love, which is paint and draw. I mean, the system, the system is rigged in a way like it, it is it's not, 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 not in a way it's rigged. Let, let's yeah, just, it's, it's, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's, it's, I just think, I just think Troy, I think it's purposeful that they ended on her talking to that group of people to be dummy shoppers. I, I think it's purposeful from a, from a detailed or plot perspective. Like it, it wouldn't feel right to kind of start there and then, oh, she's on a beach, et cetera. I think it's set, it has a more impactful statement to kind of go, she's in South America, she's doing all the things that she loves. And the reason why she's doing it is because she's just out of the system. Like, hey, I'm, I'm going to do this and I'm going to make money off of this. She doesn't need to. She's just like, I can do it. Yeah. So she's embracing all the things that, so I don't think, and again, I, I, this is what I love about the film is you guys can take it from, uh, look, it only matters with that last scene. I think you got to go back a few minutes and just kind of go from South America on, she's happy. She's living exactly what she wants. Um, the lifestyle that she wants. And she has, I don't know, man, like she when wants. she was sitting on the beach there, it, to me, it looked like she was pondering, like. Yeah, I, there's I, something missing. Like I thought I was going to come down here to where South America and it was going to be my dream. Yeah, I mean, but I can't leave behind that life, baby. I got to have that money. <laughs> yeah, I didn't yeah, get that I at mean, all. It, didn't get uh, that at all. Well, see, that's where, you know, like you said, I mean, that's why I love this movie because it, it's so multi-level because, you know, it, it, you know, Troy, you said it best and Brad, you said it best, you know, oh, it's rigged. You. It's rigged. And, you know, from the very start, right, when she's, you know, getting ready to leave high school, right? I mean, it, it's, it's, I wish someone told me what I tell my kids often, which is, you know what? Life is easy. People make it hard. That includes <laughs> yourself, right? Yeah. Um, and that's where, you know, some realities of the real world uh, my kids fully understand it. I mean, I made sure that they weren't, they understood the truth about things and not fed all that bullshit that I was fed trying to get, you know, ahead in life. Cause from her start to where she's at, you know, I, I think Brad, I, that's where I take, she's sitting on the beach and she's like, 
man, this is awesome. This is, it's, I'm missing something. What, why, why aren't I completely fulfilled right now? What is it? What is it that, what, what am I missing here? And that's where the scene cuts over and I'm like, oh shit. You know, she, she looked okay, but she's missing something. And there she is doing what she stopped lying to herself. It's like, look, I love doing this. I love being here, but you know what? This, this is, I, I actually enjoyed what I did. And yeah, I, I'm going to do it. I think that's, that's what I, again, multi-level so many, oh, this movie was so awesome that it's just so many trains. Of it thoughts is. I, and, I, I love that. I love films where you come to the end and we're, we can both, or, you know, you two minus me can sit there and go, this is what the ending means at the, at the end of the day, we would agree. We're right. <laughs> I mean, perception is reality, bud. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh. uh, it's your world. I live in it. Right. So, um, but that's what I love about this film is yeah. you can, you can dissect it in such a way where you talk about the ending. And I, I think it's interesting, like me coming from what we talked about at the beginning of this episode, it's like, well, here's my experiences. And I'm looking at it as an older person, um, male, uh, had my struggles but not to the extent that she had them. And so when I'm, and even in the industry I'm looking at, like uh, this whole stuff about forgiving student loan debt and all that other stuff, like yeah, to me, it's complicated. Like I, <laughs> I look at it from this standpoint, like I totally understand people's frustrations, especially when they get so buried under that kind of debt um, and they're living a particular lifestyle. And to Brad's point, Maybe their parents told them, do what you love and you're never working a day in your life. And you're like, whoa, that's not the reality of it, right? Um, and, and, you know, Brad and I have talked about this. At some point, if, if we were doing a podcast and somebody's like, well, we're going to pay, you know, for you to do this full time. I don't know if I'd enjoy it. No. At, at some point, you'd be like, well, now it's work and it's not a hobby. Yeah. or it's yeah. You know, it, it, you, you are now then beholden to the people that you're getting the money from, right? So I get all of that frustration from the millennial standpoint. And I'm not saying that, hey, getting rid of student debt or not getting rid of student debt is the answer. I just know that the system as a whole, no matter what choice you make, for some reason, the system just brings you back into not exactly the optimal place that you should be. Um, and I think that's what this movie is saying is like, hey, look, especially for the millennial crowd, if you see people in this situation, this movie kind of is telling them, at some point you just got to like start over and stop participating in this crap. Like it, it is just a cycle of junk and that's an interesting message. I'm not saying it's right or wrong. What I'm saying is this movie presents an interesting perspective and message to 2022. Cause I right. do think it's speaking, it's speaking directly to this year and it's basically saying like F you 2022. <laughs> I mean, um, this, an, an option is to just not participate in this crap. That or, yeah. you know, um, it's, it's interesting you made that, mentioned that, Brett, you know, like I wanted to be a comic book artist. I mean, I even, I, I won a couple of local comic book uh, convention, you know, art contests a couple of times. Um, but I realized, you know, or even then that, you know what, hey, I won. What, what the frick is this 20 bucks going to get me? <laughs> you know what I mean? So I, I, I think you're right, Troy, that, you know what? People need to understand, stop lying to yourself that, you know, no, the system's not rigged. No, I'm going to be successful if I want to study Canadian music with a concentration in Brian Adams. No, that's, that's reality is going to be, guess what? You know, life, like, you know, 
life is not going to be, you know, sweet tea and, and crumpets. You know? <laughs> those are, those are not the same thing. <laughs> They're not. I couldn't think of a better freaking. Well, analogy. we've seen apple pie. Maybe, I don't think that's. I don't maybe, think that's maybe. true. I just. I. I think. I think it's. But it's. But, uh, it can yeah. be sweet tea and crumpets for people with the right amount of money. Well, it can be, but you know, but at the end, I think another one of the messages, what I, which I, you know, definitely took away from this was like, you know, she made decisions, and that's what people, you know, hopefully you can pass that along too, you know. Uh, who, who said it earlier in the show, right? We, we, at the end of our, at the end of our life, you know, we are no longer a reflection of where we started. We're a reflection of our choices. Yeah. That's, I've always believed you know that. what I mean? Yep. And look at the choice that Emily had to make. You know what? She wanted money. She obviously cared for Yosef. Um, but she made a choice <laughs> up to a certain point until right? he didn't do until that relationship wasn't beneficial. Exactly. And then she goes to South America and she already established she had parents, right? So she gave all that up, you know, and the cops are looking for her. So she knows in all reality, she's never going home. So, but she know, appears to be in a really good place. Appears to be. But I think the big takeaway is understand that, you know, sometimes your life choices are going to be some of the most difficult. And honestly, it could pay off sitting on the beach painting and drawing or understand there's still going to be some harsh realities when you make those choices her going back to doing the credit card fraud yeah i just like how the movie doesn't like criminalize emily in in, in any sort of way like it it doesn't say maybe this is a bad idea like at the end of the movie they're like eh, she's got to do what she got to do and like yeah, yeah it's, I mean, it's so weird it's so interesting because it it I'm, I can't figure out if it's sort of a, it, it's, it's a victory or to your point, John, it's a, Hey, I, I'm going to end up where at the end of my life, it's going to be composed of all my choices. So if I'm on a beach drawing and it's all the things and I'm living in South America where I wanted to be, and it's all the things I want, what's it going to be if I'm missing all these other things like her family and friends, et cetera. Right. We don't it, know. Right. In some ways, it's a Pyrrhic victory, right? Could be. Or it could be an ultimate victory. And the movie could be saying, look, stop. Just this this game that you're playing and trying to follow by the rules, stop following by the rules. It's, yeah, it's so I've, weird. I've felt like that every a lot of times where yeah, I'm just yeah. like. And I like, you know, I'm a privileged white guy. And sometimes <laughs> I feel like, man, this is uh, this is fucked up. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's it's. And I never work. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. We always make fun of you for that. Uh, well, any last thoughts on this one? I, yes. I think we've hit it enough of it, but yeah. if, if this sounds like something that you would want to be interested in, um, I mean, it is a little bit of a downer, but I don't, I never I don't felt know. like depressed watching it really. No, like it does know. like comment on a lot of themes for 2022 and what a lot of millennials are going through, but I never felt like, I never felt down watching it. I, I Emily just is such a fascinating character that at some point in time, I was just rooting for her to like, I wanted to see her balance zero. Like I wanted to see her yeah. win in a way. <laughs> yeah. But that, yeah. that would go against the film because the fact oh, that it would, yes, like, yeah. Yeah. It, it, it would totally it came, betray this yeah. movie if it did, but I think it would betray I, the movie's message too. Yeah. I, I don't know. I was, I don't think anyone wins. I don't think anyone wins. No, I, I think it comes back to, like we said, I mean, you gotta, you gotta stop lying to yourself, understand the reality of the situation. And at the end, your life is a reflection of your choices. Yeah. I don't, you know? I think Emily wins. I think I Emily mean, wins. 
I, I think she wins, but I to I, I honestly say it, it it's it's more of a pyrrhic victory. It's a victory, but you know, yeah, I don't know. Like, I, what cost? It could at be what that, cost? that's the question is she won, but at what cost, right? Yeah. Exactly. I, I don't have to live I don't have to look over my shoulder every day. You know, yeah. I, at some point in time I think Emily might in living in South America doing what she does. Yeah. True. Yeah. It's yeah. true. Yeah. I mean it, it this is the only thing I can add on is my God, shame on me for missing this in the movie theater. This this movie <laughs> the same was this movie is Aubrey Plaza or agents or friends of Aubrey Plaza. Uh, please pass along. This was this was amazing. Keep doing what you're doing, girl. Keep doing it. Uh, yeah, I uh, I am really curious if any of if any of the people that listen to this show, if you've seen the film what your interpretation of the ending is, please write in and tell us or, you know, send us a, a voice memo or something. We'll play it. I'm just, I'm really curious where everybody else lands on this thing too. Cause I, I think it's one of those films that you could sit there and, and debate it over coffee for an hour uh, or so and just kind of pick this thing apart even after a second or third viewing. I think it's that yes. good. Okay. Well, I'm going to ask the questions real quick, John, we just got done talking about this year's Emily, the criminal. Is it a bomb? Hell no, no. Excellent movie. Home run for the first time director. Aubrey just brings it. Uh, Theo Rossi, I mean, amazing. Um, folks, do yourself a favor. Go watch it. Okay. Brad, what about you? Where do you land on this one? Oh, definitely not a bomb for me. Awesome. Yeah, this is one of the best films come out of 2022. And it's definitely one of the best, if not the best, performances from a lead actress. Now, I may, I may just get totally overwhelmed by you know some of the other films because I haven't seen everything in those categories. But I got to tell you, it's a just a long uphill battle. Troy, to, we've got a performance by Halle Berry coming up, so you might be eating those. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's true. Um, well, let's talk about it. So we've got one more episode before 2022 is done. And that means we're talking about one more movie from 2022 that bombed. And this is yeah. your pick. You're ending the year, Brad. It is. I'm ending it with a banger. A science fiction disaster film by the one, the only... Roland Emmerich. Ooh, exciting. It is Moonfall. Oh boy. Oh. Yeah, this will be fun. I you definitely I you definitely went after the spectacle from this year. I did, yes. Yeah. I, I wanted can't. to talk I wanted to talk about this movie from the moment I saw that trailer because I I knew I knew I when I saw it I'm like that's going to be on our show one day. I, I I so can't wait to hear that episode. You've seen Moonfall, John? I have. Okay. Uh, well then we will talk off air. <laughs> yes. I have not seen it yet, but I, as soon as Brad picked it, I'm like, well, I got to buy the 4k cause it was dirt cheap. I think it was mm, dirt cheap. The yeah, they were giving it away. Yeah. I, think my, I think when I got my teeth cleaned, my dentist gave it to me. I think I got free. a free sandwich when I bought <laughs> yeah. mine. Um, <laughs> hey Dennis, where's my toothpaste? Watch this. <laughs> Shut up. Smile. Uh, we did get some listener feedback that I wanted to share. First one's from Stuart says, thank you so much for your Hugo podcast. By chance, I showed this to my kids, 8 and 11, and they loved it. My take is that it's not a kid's film, more of a film about childhood viewed through the prism of nostalgia. I think it has parallels with Cinema Paradiso. Um, for my money, it's a masterpiece, and I'm sure people will be watching it in 50 years' time. Yeah. Stuart has some smart kids. I agree. 8 and 11 watching Hugo, very, very good. Uh, yeah, I think they're going to wear some or uh, win some Nobel Peace Prize or something at that age if they're yep. recognizing how good Hugo is. Yep. 
And as long as they understand that, you know what, doing what you love is going to be all now, you John, need. That's not, not the way to go. Listen, these kids <laughs> love Hugo. They can do whatever they want. I, now, they're to good be kids. Fair, there are people out there that get to do what they love and succeed. And yes, but yeah, they're yeah. they're the exception. We're to better because we yeah. didn't. We I did won't <laughs> disagree. And when we go off air, I would like to talk to you guys about your extended car warranties. So oh, yeah, okay, good point. Uh, I got something here from Justin. Now Justin is a co-host of a uh, very very good podcast. Watch Skip Plus. His partner happened to be on the show last week with uh, John and uh, Brad and I talking about Morbius. Well. Justin had to write in on this. So here we go. It's Morbin time. While I agree that it may not be the cinematic disaster some have made it out to be, I actually agree with the consensus that it's terrible. My reason being is because, as Brad and Troy stated, it's a meandering, okayish production. The worst thing a film can be to me is boring. There may be films I find offensively terrible or jaw-droppingly inept, but they at least elicit a reaction from me. During the entirety of Morbius, I sat in the theater bereft of emotion. I was not excited by any of the action or spectacle. I found the colors and visuals to be washed out, hearkening back to the drab mid-2000 blockbusters, such as Van Helsing, woof, Catwoman, ouch, and Underworld. Yeah, I liked Underworld. Uh, the performances were serviceable, but unengaging. Well, Gibson was pretty bad. The story was drab, suffering greatly from their strange origin stories typically cause... There was a lack of energy and identity to this movie that hindered the entire production. I may not have liked the Venom films, but they at least had a personality to them. It is for these reasons that I consider Morbius to be a terrible picture. With that being said, I appreciate the analysis and defense of the film. As with any terrible film, the online consensus that it's the worst thing ever is overblown. Many who share those beliefs tend to have never even seen the film, instead just playing into the memes. This happened with Holmes and Watson, another film that I wound up disliking greatly, but felt the bashing came from many who probably hadn't even seen it. Admittingly, I do pick on that film and Morbius a lot, but that's because my esteemed podcasting partner, Jose, has a strange affinity for them. Let's face it, Jose likes everything. Um, <laughs> as always, keep up the great work, Justin. There you Thanks, go. buddy. Thank that was you. very insightful. Yeah, uh, sometimes yeah. a boring film is the worst film you can have, right? We remember, I remember Samurai Cop scene to scene because of how <laughs> bad it is, right? Miami but, Connection is amazing yeah, because it's again, not boring. But Morbius, <laughs> I, it's been nine, <laughs> eight days, nine days since I saw it. Uh, maybe one day I'm going to tell that story on the podcast, Troy, but I'm not ready just yet. Okay, no, um, no, that's yeah. fine. Um, and that's going to be interesting because I, I would like to talk to you guys um, once you guys watch Avatar. The newest one. Oh, yeah. I'm seeing I, it on Wednesday. So yeah, I'll see but it on anyway. Christmas break, maybe. Yeah. I'm not rushing out to see it. I just I I liked Avatar, but it was not to the uh I don't know, the fervor that some people do where I'm I'm running out to see it. Now if Aubrey Plaza was in it, I would see it day one, but she's not, so yeah, not gonna happen. Yep. Uh I think this will be the episode right before Christmas and the holidays, right, Brad? That is correct. Uh, I don't know. Do we say happy holidays? Merry Christmas? I, yeah. I can't remember all of the holidays that technically come out. Happy Hanukkah, uh, Kwanzaa. Yep. Yeah, all that stuff. I, I hope you get lots of time off with your family and friends. Uh, 2022 has been a doozy. 
So take a break. 2023, it's going to be a wild ride. I know for us, we've got a lot of fun movies uh, planned, but um, maybe when we get back next week, Brad, we'll talk about our favorite Christmas presents and uh, I don't know, talk about a little bit of what uh, is to come in 2023 because we got a lot yeah, of stuff we got some. We got some big plans for 2023. We uh, Most of the feedback that we got when we solicited for it was we want to hear more stuff. And so Troy and I take that as a compliment. Yeah. And uh, yeah, we're going to deliver on that. So um, yeah, keep your eyes peeled for that. Keep your eyes peeled. Uh, keep your ears peeled for that. And uh, you know, well, you we keep will, your eyes we, peeled in January. We will be on VHS podcast files. Oh, yeah. I think their YouTube yeah. channel. We did. Yeah, uh, that the is last correct. Dragon. That so is correct. Um, yeah. Else? But I, I, I appreciate everyone helping me get through 2022. It's been a weird year, but um, having, this to look forward to every week um, and knowing that people listen and interact with us has been um, really, uh, really helpful in, in, in an outlet for me to be creative because from my nine to five, well, my nine to three thirty, I don't really get to do that much. So, uh, you know, I, uh, I appreciate this podcast for just having an outlet for me to um, have a creative you know, tickle that creative side that I don't get to do much anymore. Yep. Agree a thousand percent. And folks, there's still time uh, before the holidays. Please do all you can to help out um, any of the families in need. Uh, I I know Thanksgiving is traditionally the holiday where people kind of push Giving Tuesday and stuff like that. But that there's anything that you can do in terms of adopting families or donating to food banks. Um, I, I just feel like I've been pushing that, you know, for the last few weeks. And it's a it's very important to me, at least. Uh, to make sure that, you know, there are families that are getting help, especially in a year like 2022. So if you can give what you can, uh, John, thank you. Once again, I know you, you pulled double duty two weeks in a row. I know you've got a super busy schedule, um, with the kids and job and everything else. So thank you for taking a few hours, even out of this week to spend with us. It's, it's always a pleasure. I yeah, uh, love you, buddy. Yeah. I love you guys. This has been amazing. Thank you. Thank you so much, uh, for having me on to, uh, you know, uh, again, another creative outlet to really talk about things that are uh, super fun and, and take us away from the real world. And uh, I, I, to echo Troy's sentiment, um, you know, be good to each other, help each other, help those who can't, who, who need it, do what you can. Merry Christmas, happy holidays, folks. Yeah. And Brad, how did people get a hold of us um, to talk about their thoughts with Emily the criminal before we sign off? Yeah, that is notabombpod at gmail.com. You can also head over to notabombpodcast.com, hit the contact us button. Uh, we're on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook um, if you want to reach out to us there. Yeah, we answer messages from that platform too. So give us a ring. Uh, I think that's it. We'll we'll start getting ready for Moonfall and close the year out strong with a banger there. So if you're playing along, go watch that. Folks, I don't know if you are listening in the morning, the afternoon, or the evening. Thank you for spending a little time with us. Go out and watch Emily the Criminal if you have not done so. Uh, you know, maybe, maybe don't watch Moonfall. Watch Moonfall. I don't know. Yeah. I'm a little hesitant on it. Um, maybe you wait for our thoughts, then go watch Moonfall. But hey, if you're playing along, go watch it and you can endure it with us. But uh, we'll, we'll catch you next week for the last episode of 2022. We'll see you then. Don't lose your head. No credit card fraud.